Welcome to Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tarmody, where it's all about health optimization, anti-aging, longevity, and being the very best you can be. Brought to you by lisatarmody.com. Hey team, welcome into Pushing the Limits. This week I have Alex Tanava on the show and we are going to be discussing something called molecular hydrogen. Uh, Alex is the inventor and he's the patent holder for a special type of molecular hydrogen that gets into water. So it's a tablet that you can put in the water. And molecular hydrogen, I've been studying this for quite a while and it's uh, got some fascinating properties and some really deep research around it. And Alex, as usual, when the people that come on my show has a back story as to why he got into uh, molecular hydrogen and what it can do. So I do hope that you get benefit out of this show. Uh, before we head over to the show, love you to check out everything that we do. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com, see our health optimization, what we do, epigenetic testing. Um, we'd love to you know, help you out if you've got a health uh, problem that you're dealing with or check out our supplement range in our shop um, or if you are local to Taranaki I would love you to come and check out my hyperbaric oxygen therapy clinic uh, and check out everything that we do so make sure you head over to lisatarmody.com if you're new to the channel welcome thank you very much for popping by uh, we love to share great content from fabulous guests and bring you the latest in anti-aging longevity science being in the prevention space, in the health space, uh, and molecular hydrogen belongs in that story. So without further ado, now over to the show with Alex Tanaba. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to Pushing the Limits. This week, I have Alex Tanaba with me, and Alex is an expert on everything molecular hydrogen. You probably maybe never heard of molecular hydrogen, but we're going to dive into the backstory of this amazing uh, well, a tablet that, that Alex has um, developed and is, has patents on and uh, really, really interesting stuff. So Alex is sitting in Vancouver, lovely Vancouver. Uh, welcome to the show, Alex. Great to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Alex, before we got on air, we were talking a little bit um, about your backstory. But yeah, give the give the listeners a bit of a, a, a backstory as to how the heck did you get into molecular hydrogen? <laughs> yeah, so this is um, not quite nine years ago, but uh, you know, eight and a half, nine years ago, and um, I got really sick, and they didn't know what I had. But uh, at the time, I was competing in CrossFit. I was training martial arts a lot. Um, I, I was training four, six hours a day, you know, five times a week, and then one kind of like active recovery day where I'd go for a hike or, you know, go for a long <laughs> nature walk, um, then one rest day. So I, I was training. I, I was in the best shape of my life by my side. And um, I got sick. My roommate got sick. Another friend of ours got sick. It all hit us different for me um i had uh basically you know central nervous system you know fatigue i, I had no reactive movement whatsoever i went from being able to have like a 54 inch biometric box jump to i couldn't clear an inch off the floor i just yeah, couldn't wow. get off the ground went from being able to string together you know like 15 to 20 bar muscle ups to i can do a chest to bar um but it didn't affect strength which was weird right like my my squat my deadlift my mm. my bench press all of that was completely unaffected right? wow. so it's just anything reactive was shut down 
Um, at the same time, I had sudden onset narcolepsy. So I was sleeping, you know, 16 plus hours a day. But if I sit down and wasn't stimulated for even a couple minutes, I'd doze off. Wow. Right. Um, and at the time, and at the time, um, I, I also became severely anemic, which was weird because I was eating red meat almost daily and you know, lots of spinach and, you know, lots of iron containing foods. And I was eating six to 8,000 calories a day to keep up my training regimen. So how am I anemic? It was truly bizarre, but my uh, inflammation was, was just running rampant. Um, wow. I, I was uh, at like, 34 milligrams a deciliter as my C-reactive proteins, which is about yeah, that's huge. 70 to 100 times normal. So that lasted a couple months. And finally, when the dust settled abruptly, um, I was left with polyarthritis. So I developed osteoarthritis in multiple joints. I think I have various stages in 11 joints now, um, which I think happened they were all sites where I'd had previous sports injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the inflammation just accelerated what would have happened. Oh yeah. To grind over, you know? Um, so that kind of abruptly changed my life. Um, I immediately went on like, you know, cortisone injections and high doses of NSAIDs mm-hmm. and toxin. Um, I knew that wasn't a forever solution. I started researching anything that could regulate the inflammatory response in the body. Uh, found hy- like molecular hydrogen. At the time, it was really the wild, wild west in, in that research and industry. And, you know, I, I tried that and I tried a hundred other things, but uh, I bought this machine to make hydrogen water for about four or $5,000. Wow. And just went about my merry way. Um, it wasn't long after, I think like nine months later, I uh, developed multiple ulcers, you know, from the naproxen, and I fainted in the gym a couple times. Uh, I guess my body wasn't absorbing nutrients and food, so I had to stop the NSAIDs, and my shoulder completely froze. My left shoulder is what was the worst. After that, my left hip. Um, so I, I just froze up. I couldn't even put on shirts. Uh, I got frustrated. Uh, thinking, okay, well, none of these things I'm doing are working for the inflammation. It was only, you know, the pharmaceuticals that were working, and now I can't take them. Um, I have this $5,000 paperweight of a hydrogen machine. Um, <laughs> I went back to to scour PubMed and look what was, you know, available to try. I, I found quite a few new articles on hydrogen therapy regarding regulating inflammation, and it kind of pissed me off because I had a $5,000 paperweight. Yeah. Uh, it just dawned on me, how do I even know there's hydrogen in this water? That's it. Right? Mm. You know, I, I started buying the methods of the studies and reading them, and none of them used a machine like I was using. And so I, I uh, bought a titration. I got the uh, test of the water, and each two levels were undetectable. Wow. So, so it was a waste of five grand. <laughs> yeah, they were like 0.03 you know, uh, it's per million or, you know, you know, milligrams per liter. And uh, basically the the lowest dose that's ever seen a a benefit is 0.5. Yep. But the tablets get over 10, right? So it it, it was just such a difference in concentration, right? And, And 
at dosage that it was just impossible that I could ever got, get enough hydrogen to have a therapeutic effect, um, which gave me a little bit of hope. Um, but I kept on reading the method section and starting experimenting to get higher levels of higher hydrogen concentration, um, started developing these tablets. And, uh, after a while, um, I was getting up to like, you know, I was able to get about three PPM in the system I was doing and, uh, would drink, I think a few liters of that a day, um, chugging it down and, and my shoulder unfroze. And wow. so I'm like, Hey, there's, there's something to this. Yeah. Um, from there, I, I just wanted to kind of like do my due diligence. And I found my founding partner who, who's a from the pharmaceutical industry. Um, he's a PhD uh, chemist and he's a pharmaceutical you know, like, uh, molecule designer, formula designer. Um, first, he said I was crazy. Uh, this is the worst pseudoscience he's ever heard in his life. Um, but after I presented to him like a lot of the evidence and rebutted a lot of his, his uh, intentions about why there's no way molecular hydrogen could be therapeutic um he said okay i'll take a look uh he started working on the formula that i'd been developing with you know my base level of chemistry at the time um and i kept on sending new articles every day <laughs> and just serendipitously uh one of them that i sent was for a model that he was working on a, a drug application for and he said for the other studies, he just had to kind of accept the author's conclusions, but he was intimately aware with that model. Mm-hmm. And he said, listen, you know, if, if this isn't fraud, right, then this stuff works. You know, have you thought about commercializing it, not just making it for yourself? Right. And I thought, I don't know anything about this business, but yeah. <laughs> I'm clearly passionate about it. Right? I want to make this work. So I kind of, Kind of slowly started going all in there. And within a couple of years, I'd sold my other business and, you know, was doing this full time. And uh, now, um, you know, I, I've got a, a few patents, um, patents around the world on, on the tablets and some other um, applications for hydrogen water. And uh, I licensed them to dozens of, of different companies and brands that use my technology. And wow. uh, yeah, so wow. it's been a, a bit of a wild ride. So you you managed to de- to design a method to get the molecular hydrogen into an open water source, so you can just put a tablet in the water, bubbles up, like yeah, like a, yeah, so, and then away you go, drink it. And before that, like the early, there was other tablets that were invented um, before mine, but you have to kind of seal them in a bottle. Use mm-hmm. something called Henry's law. You'd increase the pressure internally that would dissolve more of H two into the water. Because basically the saturation point of hydrogen water is 1.6 milligrams a liter, you mm-hmm. know, um, in, in under standard, you know, air and temperature um, and such. Um, and when you do the conversions from rodent research, rodents drink a lot more water than humans do. So it's very important to get humans' highest concentration that we possibly can to account for discrepancy in how much water mouse or a rat drinks versus how much a human drinks per body weight yep right because the important part is how much of the molecule is getting into, into your system into your cells yep. proportionally yeah. so um those conversions are really important especially since 
most of the way hydrogen works isn't by metabolism. So a lot of drugs have the benefit that, yes, rodents say consume more food per body weight, drink more water. They have a higher metabolic rate, so they need mm. more of drugs too, because hydrogen works in a different way than that. Basically, we, we, we need to overcome the, the difference in, in yeah, between a mouse and a human in, in consumption. Exactly. Yep. Um, so, what what my patent has done is we figured out a way how to make very small nanobubbles, right? Like in the ten to thirty nanometers in range, um, and this creates kind of like a white cloud. It looks kind of like skim milk quasi-dissolved hydrogen gas in the water that doesn't immediately dissipate out. So we can get up um, our testing through H2 Analytics, which is a lab in the U.S. that does the testing for um, independent council. It's called the International Hydrogen Standards Association. It's a group mm -hmm. of researchers in the area that certify products as containing um, a therapeutic dose and, a, 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 you know, and are safe for the hydrogen industry. They set this up because of uh, rampant fraud in Japan and Korea on mm -hmm. a lot of products that claim to be hydrogen that uh, either were giving no hydrogen or actually in harmful ways. Um, so we're getting, uh, you know, in 500 milliliters of water, we get about 12.4 milligrams a liter. So seven to eight times more than the saturation point. And that's because of these small nanobubbles. And mm -hmm. we don't have to, you know, if we did that in a, a container, it would need to pressurize at about 140 PSI for eight to 12 hours. Right? To get to the level of well. H2, which is just not very useful to consumers. Um, and, and the way this works, it's the same way I'm sure all the listeners, listeners know. Um, you know, when, when uh, say the COVID-19 virus, um, when we realized it was uh, in small aerosols and they could just stay in the air lingering yeah. for hours or days. That's the same concept. Um, when a particulate gets small enough, whether it's in the air or in an aqueous solution, it doesn't float and it doesn't sink. Wow. It just moves around. It follows different laws of physics. Mm -hmm. So when we get the bubbles that small, that's how they just stay in the glass and create this Don't you know, go dense out like cloud a of gas. Wow. Yeah, they will eventually go up because as they collide, the bubbles coalesce, and as they coalesce big enough, then they dissipate. Gotcha. But it stabilizes it well enough to drink the water down. Yeah, and, and to actually hydrogen. get it into the body, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so what does the actual so hot molecular hydrogen once it you know we've got the right product now we've got the the right um, you know um, concentration in the solution we've got it down us. What does it actually do in the body? All right. So this is interesting. And there's a, a, a few things that it likely does that, that evidence is emerging. Now, uh, first, we need to understand that hydrogen has been with us since the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, it actually evolved um, from, from a hydrogen-dependent, you know, organelle that became our first eukaryotes. Yep. Right? Um, and... Uh, then after that, they, they were expelling hydrogen gas. And now we look at our microbiome, and much of the bacteria in our body is either expelling hydrogen or consuming hydrogen, mm -hmm. right? And there's yep. this hydrogen yep. in our body. Just studying microbiome, yeah. I know yeah. that one. <laughs> so we used to think that hydrogen in our body was completely inert. But why would 
the first molecule that existed in the universe that has been with us since the very beginning have no role to play. That doesn't make sense. And now research is coming out showing that a large percentage of people are no longer producing hydrogen gas through carbohydrate fermentation oh. right? because of disrupted microbiomes. And this is becoming a bigger and bigger field in microbiome research. Mm -hmm. So a, a large percentage of people, especially overweight or obese people, um, research is coming out showing that they're not producing H2 by breaking down carbohydrates. They're producing methane instead. Oh, so, which, yeah, like that's a side of SIBO too, isn't it? Like, you know, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, this is important because... Hydrogen is now shown to play a couple roles within the body. Uh, one role, and, and there's a lot of hydrogen research on, on molecular hydrogen and liver health, is mm -hmm. hydrogen seems to play a key role in maintaining liver homeostasis, right? And a percentage of the hydrogen we consume is metabolized in the liver, right? And promotes healthy liver function. The second thing that hydrogen does is it acts as something called the mitohormetic stressor, mm -hmm. right? So you can think of that as exercise for your mitochondria. Yep. So hydrogen gets into our cells, it elevates the H2 in our cells. It stresses out our mitochondria, just like exercise and stresses out your muscles. Yep. Amazing. And then the peak goes down and our mitochondria becomes stronger. It yep. loses function. It, it causes something called mitochondrial biogenesis. So more yep. mitochondria is made. And now with more energy available in our cellular cells, a lot of corrections happen. So the interesting thing with hydrogen is uh, it only works when something is dysregulated. So if you, you put hydrogen on, on a completely healthy cell tissue where everything is perfect, no changes occur. Uh -huh. Now you artificially damage that same healthy cell and then you add the hydrogen medium and you see all these changes wow. start occurring. Or if you put the healthy cell in a hydrogen medium and then you try and damage, you'd see strong protective effect. Wow. So yeah, it's modulating rather than, yeah, so it's, it's, it's modulating rather than pushing it in one direction or another direction. Yeah, it, exactly. Like say for most people think of hydrogen as an anti-inflammatory or antioxidant, which is untrue because usually it acts as an antioxidant or an anti-inflammatory, but not always. Right? There's models where hydrogen has increased oxidative stress for a benefit, right? Because what matters isn't the amount of antioxidants you have. We can have something called reductive stress. Yeah. When there's Redux. too much antioxidants mm. and not enough oxidative stress, um, hydrogen regulates the redox status within the cell. So kind gotcha. of the, the harmony between the oxidative stress and the antioxidants. So it, it regulates beneficial uh, oxidative stressors and nitrosative stressors as well, like nitric oxide, as well as regulating antioxidant production by our nerve two pathway. So hydrogen mm -hmm. will, will regulate our production of glutathione, superoxide, dismutase, and catalase. Wow. Also play a role in regulation of like H2O2, nitric oxide, you know, some of these stressors. Um, likewise, hydrogen kind of, um, increases inflammation in, in its myokine role just like exercise does when mm -hmm. you exercise it slightly bumps up your inflammation then your anti-inflammatory cytokines reverse that and you have a net anti-inflammatory effect mm -hmm. hydrogen seems to do the same thing mm -hmm. now, this is particularly important with athletes because often athletes especially if you're trying to build muscle 
are advised not to take any antioxidants or anti-inflammatories because they, they will will basically um, stop the gains you make from exercise. Exactly, yeah. You stop you the those, exactly. You want the acute stressors along with exercise, which causes a rebound to strengthen at a healthier level. There's been some cool research on, on hydrogen in rodents where they'll have a control group doing four swims and a hydrogen group doing four swims. And they analyze and, and the acute stress that happens immediately after and during exercise is higher than the hydrogen group. So it's as if they were yep. tired, but they rebound to homeostasis faster. So wow. it's like they worked out harder and recovered quicker. Wow. Right? So hydrogen has potentiated the effects of exercise um, in that way. Just interrupting the show to let you know about our patron community here and the podcast at Pushing the Limits. We've been going for eight years and we really need your support to keep the show on air and free to everybody so that everyone gets this fantastic information uh, from all these great doctors, scientists, athletes, business people from all around the world. So we would love you to come and join us. You get a lot of exclusive member benefits when you do, but really it's about supporting the show and keeping it on air. And for a coffee or two a month, that it would be fantastic if you can come and join us. You can go to patron.lisatamati.com. That's patron.lisatamati.com and check it all out. So for That's athletes, it. so for athletes, this would mean that you could train harder and get better effects. So like you not not hit the overtraining problem that you know we otherwise hit. That's that's yeah, that's what the the research indicates. Um, both preclinical and clinical research. Um, there's a strong anti-fatigue effect. Um, a systematic review and meta-analysis just found that hydrogen and, and uh, um, fatigue, like reduced fatigue greatly. Um, there's been a number of studies found with athletes after competitions, multiple day of intensive exercise, stuff like that, that hydrogen improves a redox status, you know, wow. once recovery starts setting in. So, there, there uh, is evidence for both of these. And anecdotally, from a lot of the professional and amateur athletes that use the tablets, um, they're finding that too, that uh, doesn't really help them day one, day two, maybe by the end of a, a week of training, yeah. um, they start seeing a fatigue reduction and they start feeling less sore. Wow. Right? Um, yep. One of our trials um, using the hydrogen tablets topically uh, found it a, a significant reduction in, in delayed onset muscle soreness, right? And also uh, it, it protected against the rise in creatine kinase. So it protected yep. against muscle damage. Um, or say like distance athletes, like uh, runners well, and, you know, yeah, <laughs> athletes. Um, we've tested in some various like running groups inside. Um, and it's been interesting. The, the distance athletes that basically start fast and try and hold pace mm-hmm. end up setting PRs because they hold their pace for longer. Uh, but the athletes that say know the exact pace they want to run and go in running that pace don't really see a benefit because they're not pushing their body harder. So right. hydrogen seems to help for the people who, you know, say they want to start at a, a 430 pace and yeah. think that they're going to and at a 5.30 pace and just try and hold the faster pace as long as they can, that type of athlete seems to PR quite a bit. Wow. Okay. Sure. And this is like, like um, in the background behind me there, you'll see a um, hyperbaric oxygen, mild hyperbaric, and I've got a hyperbaric clinic here uh, with a hard shell as well. But um, 
This is part of the oxidative medicine family. So you've got vitamin C, you've got UVBI, ultraviolet blood irradiation, you've got uh, intravenous vitamin C, and, and molecular hydrogen would sound to me like just as a lay person putting two and two together, this would be part of that oxidative family, uh, you know, yeah. uh, because they all to do with, well, hydrogen and oxygen uh, and that redox, they're playing that redox that um, backwards and forwards of trying to get that, you know, uh, signaling writing. It is an oxidative stress. You hop in there you have to have a body that can respond to the stressor. If you're like too far, uh, yeah. too weakened, you won't respond. But it's it's with the hyperbaric, it, it's flooding the body with oxygen. Yeah. And what you're doing is sort of flooding the body with with molecular hydrogen, and yeah. getting that that hormesis, that hormesis thing going. Yeah, yeah. So it's working, you know, in, in some ways as a mitohormetic stressor, but. Um, it really, I, I like to call hydrogen like a, a master supervisor or regulator, right? Because it, it plays a lot of different roles in the body. For instance, um, something that exercise does too, but is really big in the anti aging and biohacking world it is autophagy. Oh, yeah. I kind of, yeah. Uh, hydrogen, on about it. yeah <laughs> hydrogen usually activates autophagy, but not always. Right, most models that I've seen is hydrogen stimulates autophagy, but a few key models, such as after you know oxygen deprivation from drowning, after heart failure, where you absolutely don't want autophagy, hydrogen has inhibited and stopped autophagy. Wow! Right? So it, it plays sort of this master role, mm. and, and again, it really shows like in our research. I think we have um, we have like thirteen clinical trials now that are. are either publish or going through peer review right now and it say works for people who are overweight right in three of our clinical trials where people were overweight and through body composition they lost weight usually you know a pound or two a month on average um it improves lipid profiles wow and cholesterol and glycerides uh, fasting blood sugar um, it, it's greatly improved brain metabolism in a few different models so the hydrogen tablets have improved brain metabolism um, after sleep deprivation, actually more robustly than caffeine um, in an elderly trial of people uh, 70 plus um, and in an obese model, wow. right? So people were otherwise healthy, but overweight um, all ages. I think 18 to 60 was the age range of that one that's under peer review right now. Um, but again, for, for say the healthy aging and the anti-aging trial, to lengthen telomeres, improve DNA methylation. Um, wow. it, it doubled uh, the, this uh, marker in the blood called TET2. Now, TET2 is linked yep. to young blood. If you guys, uh, yep. if listeners have ever seen the, the vampire research where they yep. take the blood of a young mouse and put it in an old mouse and it rejuvenates them, that's highly linked to TET2. So hydrogen doubled that in the blood. Um, it, it improves some you know, other functional parameters, I can improve their, their like life quality scores, like lowering pain score. Um, it it uh, improves some sleep parameters. Um, and uh, this one's really big. It improves some parameters of the senior fitness test. Wow. So at the end of the trial, at the end of the six months, the, the seniors that were on the hydrogen were actually stronger, right? So it didn't just protect the decline. They got stronger. And this was really important because this trial was recruited during the early days of the pandemic. 
Gosh, yeah, so, when everything would have been going pear-shaped. Exactly, right? <laughs> so um, this was done in Europe, so the gyms were closed, engineers yeah. were basically on house arrest. You know, yeah. They still, in things like how many times they could sit on a chair and stand, yeah. at the end of the six months on the hydrogen group, they were stronger. Wow. I, that, so, so what you just said in that mouthful with the DNA methylation and the, the, you know, the mitochondrial effects and the, the, the improved is just like, wow, this seems to be like something that isn't just pushing one pathway, which a lot of, you know, supplements and things, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of cycling things because we don't want to yeah. just push on one pathway all the time. If I just give you, you know, even with like one of my major supplements that I have is, is NMN, you know, uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide. Even with that great thing that, you know, you're going to increase your pool of NAD in the cell and, and so on and so forth. I still like people to cycle in and out of it, you know, a, a good 12 weeks and then have a little break and then, and then more because you just don't want to push on one pathway all the time. And then there are a few molecules in the world that seem to just modulate everything. So they they're not pushing on one way or the other. They're they're basically going, oh, you know, <laughs> making everything balance again, which is getting that homeostasis. Um, yeah. and, and uh, so 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 these sort of molecules, I like to sort of double down on and and really study um, and find why why is this one? You know, should we be on this? All of us, you know. Um, so have you had any trials in brain injury or neurodegeneration, stroke, anything like that? Yeah, they're, they're again. I don't want to talk about this too much because yeah. we're getting into some like heavy disease claims on that. Yeah, yeah, you gotta be careful. Uh, yes. so, like uh, th- there was one uh, rat study that was done on tablets that was on post-stroke recovery yep. therapy between hydrogen and minocycline, and they found uh, some synergy there. Uh, there's quite a quite a bit of early research uh, on hydrogen and various neurodegenerative. Um, issues, but a lot more research does need to be done. Yeah, um, sure. you, you know, where the best evidence is lying so far with hydrogen, uh, where, where uh, systematic reviews and meta analysis have been done, showing that you're seeing these effects across all studies, not one study where it works, one where it doesn't, you can't get to the bottom of things, is hydrogen seems to have a strong anti fatigue effect. And it seems to improve lipid profiles, yep. right? Wow. That, that's what we, we know for sure after systematic review and meta-analysis. There's another systematic review and meta-analysis that hydrogen ha- had some potent anti-cancer benefits. Um, we, we have a rodent trial on the tablets with that. But I really want to caution because those researchers <laughs> included all the rodent research, right, yep. in their systematic review and meta-analysis. Whereas... Not you know, the, the lipid were, were just human trials. Yeah. So there's a lot of areas where hydrogen has been as um, quite interesting emerging research where it could potentially be yeah. beneficial. Well, we know it's beneficial um, for anti-fatigue and for lipids, right, after so, systematically using that analysis. If, um, it's, if it's improving, like, the mitochondria and causing mitochondrial biogenesis, then that's at the base of so much. And this is this is where For it becomes sure, right? exciting, right? Because And that, yeah. that that's why the research is all over the place. Right? Yeah. You know, because you know, it yeah, have, would hit so many markets there, you know, exactly, so many problems. Yeah. There's over two thousand original studies on hydrogen. 
uh, looking at something like 180 different, you know, uh, models like disease models across every organ in the body. Now, most of the research is still too early evidence to say definitively it does this. And almost the majority of the research is positive. Like I think in about 140 clinical trials on hydrogen, it's worked in 135 of them. Wow. Right. So it's overwhelmingly positive. But again, most of these studies are smaller. You know, what would for pharmaceuticals be like phase one, phase two? There hasn't been multiple replicated phase three trials to show definitively it works for these models. Uh, so it, it's still just, it's it's very promising. But the way in which hydrogen works, we know is going to have a lot of applications. But the way it works means that it might do something different for person X and per, person Y. Like you're going to see different changes from hydrogen in young athletes as compared to elderly people. Right. So it's hard to say hydrogen does this. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, what I love about your approach is the, the, the honesty and the not overhyping all the claims because, you know, that's the opposite. And, um, you know, like getting the, this is the state of where it's currently at the research. This is what we can say. And, you know, I think the safety of, of this is, is, is pretty high, isn't it? That, and that's always the first bar to get over, you know, is this yeah, safe? I, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I mean, say one tablet gives about 80 milliliters of hydrogen gas, right? And uh, research, people use anywhere from one tablet to four tablets. So you're getting maybe, you know, a few hundred milliliters. People with a deficiency in producing hydrogen are maybe getting only 300 milliliters a day. So you double your hydrogen production. Mm-hmm. Whereas other people might get 10, 12 liters of hydrogen a day because they're producing lots. Because they got the a good microbiome or something. Yeah. Yeah, the key is uh, hydrogen works not by the total amount you're getting per day, but by spiking the concentration in the cell, right? So, for instance, with the hydrogen tablets or any hydrogen therapy product, you don't want to take it all day long. The research has shown that uh, acute intermittent pulsing of hydrogen has a, a an effect but continuous exposure does not. So when they say put a, a cell culture or, or like rodents in, in an atmosphere that just has hydrogen around the clock all the time, we're not seeing those positive effects because just like exercise, it's the peak and then the valley that we yeah. want. It's the stress and the recovery. Yeah. And it makes sense. You know, my brain goes to my, my <laughs> simplistic brain goes to, hmm, Wonder what molecular hydrogen plus hyperbaric oxygen therapy would do. <laughs> like, uh, there, there, there's, there's one human study in that. I Is it? What model. Yeah, I forget what they were looking at, but I knew I know they used um, H2 plus HBOT in one uh, model for a positive result, but I don't think they used either on its own. I'll like have a to go and look. Yeah, yeah, I, I can dig it up and find it. Email it to you. But like a, a good trial, I think they would have had a. Control group, hydrogen group, an HBOT group, and an H2 plus HBOT group. Yep. I think things are kind of control on an HBOT plus yep. H2. So we, we don't know if it was synergistic or anything like that. Which one um, it was. Mm. Exactly, right? Um, yeah. Just mechanistically, it would, uh, mechanistically thinking, yeah, that might, that might be a winner. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it could be. Um, I mean, uh, it's a big area of research we're going into it is combining hydrogen with, with approved medications. So we have uh, a, a few uh, rodent studies in this regard. Um, you know, and again, I really want to caution people listening. These are all, you know, rodent, like mouse or rat studies. They're the first studies of their kind. I'm not saying it works for this. I'm just saying it's this emerging. This is what we're looking evidence. at. It's a, a, a day, way we're going into. But I mentioned the one uh, of monocycline plus hydrogen for post-stroke recovery. We also have one that was uh, hydrogen plus sulfasalazine for ulcerative colitis in mice. Wow. And the mm. combination was actually synergistic. So hydrogen worked about as well as sulfasalazine for ulcerative colitis on its own in mice. But combined, it was better than additive, right? So there was synergy. So it worked much better. Um, and then... Uh, we had another one for colorectal cancer in mice again, that was hydrogen or the chemotherapeutic fluorocell, you know, and then the combination of the two. Mm-hmm. And again, they were, they were synergistic. Mm-hmm. They were far better together than the sum of the two parts. So we're going to be doing a lot of research uh, in the future on, on this synergy. We already have quite a number of, of, files that are initiated and starting wow. looking at, at this kind of synergy. So you get to work with different universities around the world to do because this is a problem like for most uh, supplement molecules, you know, there's some really interesting ones. I did an interview a couple of days ago on urolithin A, which is a extract of, of, of pomegranate that we actually produce in our own gut. Some people, if they've got the right um, uh, microbiome again, uh, and, and they've got some clinical trials and they've got human trials um, but this is rare in the supplement space because it's so difficult to get the funding to do these types of research uh, when it's not drug discovery and it's not, you know, backed by pharmaceutical. How the hell have and you is, managed to is, do this? Yeah, like so, get so much what study. I, what I did, and honestly, anyone who's heard me on podcasts or, or seen my vlogs, I, I slag on the supplement industry a lot. Um, most people in this industry have no idea what the actual laws are or how yeah. it works. So um, typically the United States, like I, I'm not American, I'm Canadian, but the U S is, is the, the standard. There's so many countries that accept the U S as equivalent, you know, in their regulations that you can just get a free sales certificate from the U S and get it imported to that country. And uh, the U S is the biggest market by a yeah. you know, yeah. for, for any therapeutics. So, in the United States, if you, what what you first have to do, the, your legal obligation is to get what's called a new dietary ingredient, no objection from the U.S. FDA. So we went and did that. It was a 300-page submission um, that took us a few years to get. Um, yeah. It has to be signed off that they've reviewed all the evidence and they have no objection to us adding this new dietary ingredient. It's been estimated that only 4% of ingredients required to file an NDI in the U.S. have done so. Yeah. Well, that's a huge process. So, hey. well, right. Yeah. So 96% just say, screw it. We're not going to spend the time and money because the FDA, uh, they, they have inadequate funding for enforcement, right? So to be like, you know, for every million people, there's one police officer monitoring traffic. Yeah. Right. It's just unless you're driving a tank and blowing things up, you're not going <laughs> to 
Google right. on the radar. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we went and proactively did that because how the U.S. works, it's a first to get approved system, right? So if you get your NDI first, you can always be sold as a supplement legally, and then you can pursue as a drug. But if it's notified as a drug first, it can never be sold as a supplement. That's a, that's the terrible thing, you know, like because then it gets stuck down in that drug, you know, like and, and, and exactly. So basically, if companies try and go down the drug routes, they run out of funding. Now that molecule is dead forever; it can never be sold, right? That's Even if it crazy. has benefits. But okay. if you get the NDI first, it can always be sold as a supplement, and wow. then you can pursue, you know drug applications, which is what we're doing right now, because there's a lot of uses for hydrogen as a supplement, right? For daily health and for athletes and you know, people who don't yet have any diseases and just want to stay healthy. But there's potentially a lot of uses for hydrogen in, in drug in, channels. Yep. Also. Yep. So that that's kind of what what I'm doing in, in this mm-hmm. strategy here. Um, and this is actually, it, it came, you mentioned NMN. This has come to the forefront. Um, yes. This is NMN because uh, it was believed that NMN had a legal NDI in the US. Yeah. But then it came out that teams had filed NDAs, which aren't public record. So that not NDI. The NDIs. So the NDI on NMN just got overturned in the United States. Uh, and uh, Yeah, we know it's sort of like been, you know, like there's people scrambling now in the States to get it elsewhere because they can't yeah. get it in the States. So, yeah. yeah. 100%, right? Which so NMN is going to move from the market in the United States because, and I found it curious when NMN bought the the NDI because I knew there was high profile yeah like clinical research on on disease models for NMN I'm like huh you know I'm like those those models that some researchers like David Sinclair have talked about that are going through clinical research would have had to file an NDA I'm like how'd they get an NDI and I think it was an FDA mistake I think yeah. they didn't communicate between departments. And then the drug company that's funding this research objected, and it just took a and year or two to yeah, get over And it's term. taken it out of the market for the, the the healthy consumer who wants to have NMN, which is a tragedy, you know. It yeah. is. I mean, I, I, I think everyone's going to be switching to NR instead of NMN. Yeah. Right? Um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, NR has better evidence in humans, but NMN has worked better in rodents. Uh, and we don't know if NMN is going to work better in humans. It just doesn't have the same content of research in humans. Yeah, and there's so, much, there's so much debate in the whole you know, in our uh, uh, world. And, you know, uh, and then you got, you know, infusions and stuff as well. And we, we've got an NMN product um and we're outside of the states so we're not affected currently um but uh, you know and i've been on enamine for a couple of years uh love it uh you know i'm 100 that's you know <laughs> i'm doing pretty well but we'll see I'm, we'll see what comes I'm out 
Just interrupting the show to let you know about my longevity and anti-aging supplement range. I'd love you to go and check it out. Go to my website, lisatarmity.com and hit the shop button and you'll see a curated range of supplements, the latest in anti-aging, longevity, health optimization, performance optimization. I've gone out into the world, interviewed the most amazing doctors and scientists, as you'll know if you follow the show, and gone and got some of the best products that are out there. Stuff that I give to my family, that's what's in my range. So go and check it out at lisatarmity.com. I'm going to start taking uh, pretty soon here. Yep. Uh, I just formulated a new product that uh, we did a formula on, on one of the products that the Drink Future W brand sells and we added uh, 300 milligrams of NR. But um, the research I've tended to, to read and the rule of thumb, it seems that you know the, these NAD plus precursors could potentially even have um, a deleterious effect to people who are too young, you know, in their 20s and early year 30s. And it seems maybe the cutoff is when you're approaching about 40 years old, that they might start having a net benefit and have more of a benefit the older you get. Yeah, when you start to deplete your own supplies and, yeah. and so on. Yeah. And, and that makes, that makes sense in a way because, you know, you've got an abundant supply when you're young and it, and it yeah. does drop off as you get older and you get more hits. And, um, so you want that up, you know, regulation of the two and genes and get that DNA repair and things, you know, supported. Uh, and, but it, you know, it's, it's one piece of the puzzle. Um, you know, there's more pieces. And there's a lot of really interesting compounds. One that I'm really researching at the moment, spermidine. Um, is, is one that's been on my radar for a couple of years and, um, I take it, uh, and it's an autophagy upregulator and it sort of hits all of the, the hallmarks of aging. Um, so check out, yeah, check out spermidine. It's got some very interesting research behind that one as well. And, you know, there's, there's lots of emerging longevity compounds that are starting to be. Yeah, spermidine could definitely be cool. Um, I'm excited to see if it pans out humans. Right? Yeah, because yep. rodent research has been fantastic. Yep. And obviously, the yep. research on it is fairly new and emerging. So, um, but but no, it's uh, definitely something. Uh, I've gotten it in care packs at uh, you know biohacking conferences, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> stuff like that. And I, I take it, you know, but yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I take it, but uh, uh, when I get the bottles, but. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's got a long way to go in the research. Still. Yeah, I I, I work I with that a, about hydrogen too, and there's yeah, a lot more I mean everything needs more research, right? Yeah. Um, but clinically, you know, like one of my teachers, uh, Dr. Elizabeth Youth, she's um, uh, very big on spermidine, and and clinically, in the clinical use of it, we're seeing the results, you know. So, and this not a clinical trial, um, but it's um. It's it's a it's a very safe molecule and it's uh, doing some amazing things. So I'm quite excited for the stuff that's coming. I mean, all of this research is just fascinating. And when you you know, like I'm 54 and uh, desperate to slow down the, <laughs> the pace of aging, like hurry up, guys, <laughs> get your shit together and start getting this research out there so we don't all decline so fast. And when you've got aging parents, you know, uh, no, I, I I hear you. It's one of those things. Uh, Everyone kicks themselves if they didn't take it more seriously when they were young. Yeah. And healthy yeah. and feeling indestructible, right? Because yeah. it's unfortunate, but uh, when you're in your 20s and, you know, 
early 30s, that's the time that you could probably lengthen your lifespan. Exactly. Yeah, like if you, if you yeah. live properly. Yeah, like, like you know, all the damage that I did as an ultra-athlete, just like, oh, gosh, you know. And, and the, the, that your body sort of keeps a bit of a record, you know, and, and when you do the DNA methylation tests and stuff, that sort of comes out in the wash, what all the good, the bad, and the ugly that you did to yourself, you know. <laughs> and yeah. you can reverse it. It is, you know, we can reverse some things and we can fix some things and we can we can change. And But this is why this sort of stuff's quite interesting because then you can actually see um, and, you know, and the DNA uh, clocks and stuff that they have, uh, I don't think, uh, perfect either. You know, like the, there's lots of uh, variation in the different clocks, but it does give us a general sort of picture of how well you're doing. And if you're starting to slow the aging process down, like for, you know, every year that you're living, if you're only aging eight or nine months, you're, you're making a net one, hopefully. Um, yeah, and I think, absolutely. yeah. We need more research and we need further development, but it's it's sort of a good scorecard. A hundred percent. I mean, it's something I was interested in, even in my 20s. Like I've been donating to, you know, like things like SENS research since my mid-late 20s, since it was around. Oh. Uh, I was like, oh, I, I don't want to get old. But when you're kind of in your mid to late 20s, you think you're invincible. Yeah, so yeah like, totally. I was, I was giving money to it, but... I was like, oh, you guys figure it out, like, kind of yeah, attitude. Yeah. I need to, like, live my, my best life. And then now I'm like, <laughs> oh, I should have taken better care of, you know, not overstressing my body. Yeah. And I think this is a good message for athletes too is, uh, you know, as someone who smashed the crap out of their body, uh, like ridiculously so, and you by the sounds of it too did in your early age, that, that, that can come back to bite you in the ass as well. It's not just the drugs and the alcohol and the, the partying too hard and the, <laughs> that stuff for sure and the bad food, but exercise on its own way can, uh, you know, um, cause a lot of, you know, oxidative stress, like we were talking about. And if you can overwhelm your own systems and you can cause damage and as an ultra endurance athlete, I know that one too. Well, well. You, you, you look at a lot of athletes after they've retired, you know, just even a couple of years and they look like they've aged 10 years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because their bodies have just had it, you know, from just a lifetime of damage. pushing the absolute limit. Yeah. And, and yeah. you, you know, so now it's like for me about reversal and longevity and uh, trying to, you know, I've switched from being the endurance to doing, you know, I, I studied genetics and um, now I know what my genetics are. That was the wrong type of exercise for my genes. So now I'm doing a lot more sort of the CrossFit style, but shorter, shorter workouts. I, I rarely train more than an hour a day because that's the sweet spot for my body. And it's all about muscle building, you know, it's about holding and maintaining. I'm quite a lean build anyway, but maintaining a, a level of muscle because muscles equals longevity for sure. You know, if you've got a good, a good amount of muscle and don't get sarcopenic and, and things like that. Um, and for women, I think in there, you know, going through menopause and all that sort of stuff, you need to have bone density, you need muscles, you know? So, I, I wish, I wish I'd known that stuff. Like in my twenties, if I tried to fight like and get better endurance and overtrain and do all these things, but my body is all like fast twitch muscle <laughs> power, high intensity and short bursts. And I, I pack on muscle like this water. Like, wow, even easy. doing things that don't really put on muscle, like martial arts, I, I start putting on muscle mass, like pinching, kicking pads and stuff. Amazing. Um, so I really overtrained a lot through my 20s, trying to build up 
better endurance, you know, and, and round out. But my body just fought that. It created so much extra stress that was is totally unnecessary yeah. to what my yeah. body is designed and yeah, you you're built for heavy, strong power, speed uh things. And, and and by the same token, I was not built for ultra endurance. You know, spending yeah. days running at a time was the wrong thing and that led to hormonal imbalances and, you know, uh you know, all sorts of problems. Infl- over inflammation in the body, you know, just just not 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 a great thing. And now I've got the sweet spot, you know, I've got that sweet spot of of uh doing still do cardio um but it's a focus on muscle and 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 I, I like to round out everything so you've got balance training you've got yoga you've got all the, so that you're trying to hit all the functional markers because if you work back from being 100 and you know and go how do I want to be at 90 I want to still be able to do the splits you know, then you better start doing them now. Like, you know, you've got to you've got to keep and maintain the flexibility, the coordination, the reaction speed. It's it's bloody. It's a lot of work. <laughs> no, it, it, it is. Uh, it's it's one thing. I'm sure it's probably similar in women, but there's been more research in men. Like after about age 30, the average man will lose one percent of their muscle mass per year. Yep. Yeah. Nothing changes. Yeah. If they keep the same exercise, the same diet, everything, you lose 1% of your muscle mass per year. Yeah. That's yeah. just aging. So if the older we get, the harder it is to maintain, let alone grow. And that's kind of why I was uh, mentioning that uh, just more people knew how important that your, your late teens and your 20s and your early 30s are <laughs> to set your foundation for the rest of your life. Because the older you get, the harder it is. Yeah, you got to reverse all the shit otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and uh, totally. But it's never too late to start either, you know. Um, so well, 100%, we're they didn't show yeah. even elderly people that start exercise oh. programs the first time in their life will improve their health and massively. Start. Yeah, and, and you so, know, like I've, I've lived that and seen that with mum, and I have to maintain her after you know, cancer, stroke, aneurysm, GI bleeds, you know, <laughs> COVID, all of these things that, that hit her, hit, 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 hit. And we still go to the gym, you know, like every, <laughs> we're at the gym four or five times a week and we're still training every single day. And it's a hell of a lot harder to keep her there. But and that's why I'm totally relentless with their training plans. Um, it, but even a little bit of exercise, is is you know you don't decondition as fast it's amazing no, it's how even a, a little walk you know a few hundred meters can have a massive difference to an elderly person um 100%. doing that every day you know like it's, it's you know like as athletes we're like well that's nothing you know that's not going to do anything well actually it does in the elderly it does so it's better than than doing nothing and sitting on the couch and going well i'm old i don't have to train no actually you've got to train more <laughs> and yeah, more varied Exactly, and that, that's exactly exactly it, right? You know, the older you are, the the harder you have to try, and the more you yep. have to focus, and the more perfect you have to be. You know, it's kind of like one of those things. Again, I wish I'd had better habits of eating when I was in my twenties. Oh yeah, I eat sixty-eight thousand <laughs> calories a day, and when I was, you know, eating four to six hours a day, I couldn't. You know, I wouldn't, I'd, you know, be perfectly fit, and then all of a sudden, you know, you tear your hamstring or something and can't yeah. train for six weeks and put on 30 pounds. But that 
after another six weeks of training, you've lost all the weight. Well, that just doesn't work when you hit your, you know, 30s, 40s. Just put it on. You just put it on and then it doesn't come off. Yeah, exactly. Because your metabolism is not, not in a good place. Hey, look, Alex, you've been absolutely wonderful today. Thank you very much for the work that you're doing and um, this amazing, you know, molecular hydrogen. Um, I'm going to encourage everyone to go to drinkhrw.com and uh, we'll have all the links in the in the show notes somewhere around here. Um, Alex, is, where can people connect with you and you on Instagram or any of those sorts of things? I mean, I am personally, but I'm not really that active on Instagram. I, I maybe post Too a story busy doing every <laughs> month or something like that. Uh, but the brand is always doing something at DrinkHRW. Um, again, if, if they're adding me, it's just my name. But uh, I'm not posting a lot of stuff like from biohacking or anything on my, you know, personal. <laughs> personal You're too thing. busy doing research, mate. You can't do Honestly, it all. I, I used to write a blog. I used to probably write 4,000 words a week. There's probably half a million words of content on wow. KKW in the blog section written by me. Um, but like you said, I, I, I'm getting way too busy now. And I've yeah. been contributing to a lot of papers. I'm starting this, you know, different wings within the company to do different things. And I had to cut out myself writing yeah you can't blog. you can't do everything as a entrepreneur too i just know like you're wearing so many hats every day it's bloody hard to to cover everything it's you can't, you can't focus the more things you have going on too your memory starts becoming imperfect like the less you're doing the better you're focused at one thing yeah but sometimes you're the only person who can do it all <laughs> The oh yeah, yeah you're preaching to me there when you don't have a big team around you you only got a small team and you end up wearing multiple hats a day uh it's pretty pretty tough at times but <laughs> you do the best you do the best you can <laughs> all right alex well thank you so much for your time today and really appreciate all your your research and science no problem thanks for having me That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends. Head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatamati.com.